Well, good morning. I am Joel, one of the pastors here. We're in a series right now entitled God, and we're looking at God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And as we learned last week, the name, the word Trinity is not found in Scripture, but it's understanding the concept of who the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are collectively and together. And that's important for us to do. It's important for us to do because one of the things that we're recognizing is that we struggle with our understanding of who God is. I want to begin this morning with a quote by A.W. Tozer. Tozer is a Christian author, pastor, scholar who passed away in 1963. Um, But he said the following. This is probably what he's most famous for, this quote. that says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And one of the struggles that we're having today is that I do believe that many people have substituted God with self. And so we have become our own God in many ways. And so the way we think about God, it matters. That when you think about God, the very first thing, when someone says, hey, what do you think about God? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Maybe that's a good conversation for you to go and to have with a friend or a family member later on today. Hey, when you think about God, what do you think about? What do you process? What are the emotions that you have when you think about God? We certainly have substituted God in many ways, and As I look at what is happening around us, there is this exorbitant worship of self, this exorbitant celebration of self in the world, uh, and which causes us to view God in terms of our emotions and our feelings rather than what the Word of God says. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, we look at Shema, and Shema is, is recognizing that there is only one true God. Do you believe that there is only one true God? Another reason we need to know who God is as Father, Son, Holy Spirit is because we need to know who God is so that we know who we are not. We will always struggle to identify with who we are, to understand who we are if we don't have a clear picture of who God is. This concept of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, Romans 11 paints a picture for us. In Romans 11:34, it says that who among us can know the mind of the Lord? It's part of our struggle because as we read this passage, who among us can know the mind of the Lord? Well, we often desire to understand something before we believe in something. But we know that we cannot fully understand the greatness of God. So then where do you stand if you have to understand before you believe rather than believing and so striving to understand? Well, then we have a dilemma. Here's another way to think about it. A a God who can't be explained is greater than the one who can be fully explained. What's your posturing when it comes to understanding who God is? Here's something for you to consider. Names are important, friends. Names are important. Um, God changes Abram's name to Abraham, 
We see that in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. We also see that he changes Jacob's name to Israel. That's in Genesis chapter 32. Names are important because we need to know who God really is and what names does he give to himself. Uh, the most popular name that we find in the Old Testament of who God is is the name Yahweh. Yahweh. She is roughly 7,000 times in the Old Testament. Yahweh is an important name because the Jews had so much reverence for who God is that they wouldn't even use the name Yahweh because they were so fearful of using it in an inappropriate way that they just, so they just didn't, simply didn't use it. So God is Yahweh, again, used nearly 7,000 times. And here what we also find about Yahweh is it's his proper name. We find it Exodus chapter 3. Something that I spoke about several months ago in Exodus chapter 3, God had already commanded, this is burning bush type stuff, right? Moses burning bush. God commands Moses to go back to Israel where he, or to Egypt where he lived for the first 40 years of his life. He commands him to go back and to bring his people Israel out of captivity. Moses comes to God and says, hey, what if, if I go to the people of Israel and say, hey, uh, God wants me to set you free and help deliver you, they're going to want to know who sent him. They're going to look at me, Moses speaking, and say, who sent you? What is his name? God said to Moses, tell them, I am who I am. Well, in Hebrew, the same root of I am who I am is also the same root for Yahweh. Speaking about the enormity and the power and the scope of God. And so Exodus 3, we learn a lot about his name being forever. Built out of that same Hebrew word, it goes on to even list some of his characteristics in Exodus chapter 34, uh, 6 through 7. We've spoken about several times over the series with Exodus, and it talks about how God is a God of mercy and slow to anger, how he is gracious and abounding in steadfast love and abounding in faithfulness. Now, God as being I am who I am is crucial because it lets us know that who God is, is objective. Who God is, is objective rather than being subjective. See, when your understanding of who God is, is subjective, that means you are trying to define who God is and by your emotions and your feelings and the experiences that you've had in life. And you're trying to tell him who he is and who he's not. But God is not a subjective thing. is an objective thing. We are to conform to God, not God to us. Please hear that. What do you think about when you hear the name of God? God is Yahweh, one of those names. God is also Elohim. And it tells us in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That very first name for God is actually Elohim. So God is known as Yahweh, one of the names. God is known as Elohim. Elohim is used 
roughly 2,700 times in Scripture, so nothing like the 7,000, but it helps us to understand God as even hovering in Genesis 1-2. It says that Holy Spirit hovered over creation, and that is also Elohim. God is with us. Elohim is often understood as a generic name of God. I would tell you that Yahweh is that covenantal God, right, that they entered into a covenant with Yahweh, But then another name that we also need to understand is God as Father. And that's really what I want to speak about today. God as Father matters because it represents the relational aspect of who God is. Perhaps, I don't know, but for you, many, I believe, have seen God the Father as this old judgmental guy who sits over there and tells us everything we should do and shouldn't do. And then you have Jesus Christ who comes into the picture and he's all full of grace and he's going to forgive you no matter what and then you can enter into eternal life. You're good to go. Don't worry about it. I struggle with that. There are some truths that are involved with that, but that is limiting because we also know that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are also equal. And so if Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are equal, then we have a different understanding because that means they're all that together. God is Father. Jesus refers to God the Father in every gospel over 110 times simply in the gospel of John. He tells us in Ephesians 4, Four through six. As we think about who our Father, Heavenly Father is, it says, There's one body, one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so here God is called Father, and God is referred to as all types of things in Scripture, but God the Father is certainly one thing that we must focus on. Isaiah 64, 8 speaks of how he is one Lord, our Father. Malachi 2, 10, have we not all one Father? When God is being referred to as Father, it's this recurring depiction of the close relationship that we are to have with the Creator. Someone who loves his children. Jesus expressed his deep connection with God by referring to him in Mark chapter 14 as he was dying. He called out Abba, Father. In Aramaic, Abba Abba means intimacy or having a close connection to. And so Jesus, even though he is one and the same, also has a connection with the Heavenly Father that is deep and intimate. Do you have a deep, intimate connection with the Heavenly Father? My earthly father was uh, an amazing man of God. Passed away about four and a half years ago. He also, uh, as I looked at his life though, he was a pastor, so I promised God that I would never be a pastor. Um, Has anybody else made that? I dare you to go home and tell God something you won't do. He was an amazing man of God. He was a true scholar. He just understood languages and everything else in a way that I cannot compute I would also uh, often find him with the scriptures in front of him and commentaries and studying to know his heavenly father as much as possible. He never knew his real, uh, his biological father, uh, never met him before, but he grew up with a stepfather. uh, A life that was a good life, but also a very hard life in a variety of ways. A life that we certainly probably wouldn't say, yeah, we want that for everyone. 
I'll leave it at that. But here's someone who grew up discovering what it is to have a heavenly father that was um, so important that I think he shifted the, the generations for his family to come. Something I am very grateful for. An amazing man. Never knew his biological father, and yet he had a clear understanding of his heavenly father. I tell you that because sometimes one of the reasons we struggle to know God the Father is, and to truly know the intimacy and the connection that we are to have with him is because we often compare a heavenly father to an earthly father. And no matter how wonderful your earthly father was or how horrific your earthly father was, whether you ever met him or you never, or, or you never had a relationship with him, no matter what, there's no one that can compare to the greatness of our heavenly father. I want to challenge you to, to not automatically think of your earthly father. It doesn't mean there can't be comparisons, but what I'm letting you know is our heavenly father is perfect. Our earthly fathers never are. We need to see our father as this intimate relationship that we are to have rather than being off in the distance to be something that is close and intimate with us. Paul tells us that we, not only did Christ in Mark chapter 14 refer to his heavenly father as Abba Father, uh, but Paul, we also know that we've received instruction in Romans 8, 15 through 17, that we ourselves are to refer to him as Abba Father. That closeness, that intimacy, that, that relationship we are to have, it tells us in Romans 8, 15 through 17, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. When we only compare our heavenly father who by the way even in the old testament was incredibly gracious and forgiving to the people of god as they continually stepped away from his will and the 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 covenant that they made together remember that covenantal god yahweh and and they would make a relationship together a covenant and the people would break it and yet here comes god stepping back into the picture time and time again to forgive and to allow them to step into that relationship over and over again But we struggle with it because we often tend to compare our heavenly father with that of an earthly father. We also struggle because we think that it's a subjective thing. Who God is is not subjective. It's objective. According to his authority of scripture and all that he has done and promised to do and will do in our lives. Do you know God the Father? Do you want to go sit with him today? Do you want to go explore who he is? One of our friends here at church is is Deb Blackport. She works here at church, an amazing woman woman of God, and she has a, a past that doesn't fully know an earthly father but man does she know a heavenly father 
So I want to watch this video of her speaking about who her Heavenly Father is right now. Let's watch this together. My name is Deb, and I am a transformed follower of Jesus. I grew up in a single-parent home. I was a latchkey kid quite a few times, and um, I, I never really felt alone because my mom always taught me that God was there with me. And even though there was a void of not being protected or not always being provided for, as I grew, I just learned that he was always there and that he was my provider, he was my protector. Um, so many stories of his provisions to my mom and I when there was nothing. And I knew that I was God's the minute I accepted him into my life. I had um, such a scared feeling when I accepted him, but it was it wasn't as scared like I ever knew. I just knew that I was in the presence of awesomeness. As I grew up, I just learned who he was, that he was my father, that I could go to with anything. Um, there, there were many times in my life where you kind of wish you have that earthly father, um, when there were daddy-daughter banquets, um, when you just wanted a man's perspective. And I would pray, um, God sent, a church family to my mom and I that loved us well and there were many many men in that church that took those roles took that responsibility um, loved me just like their own kids I have numerous names of examples of that and that's all provisions from God all of it when I think of God my father I think of gentleness and I think of mercy and grace. I think of the way he's provided for me in my adult life and um, as a child and then growing into my teen years, things I desired so much that he has given me in a husband and a family. And the Bible says that he takes joy in me and that's the one that blows my mind the most, that he takes joy in me as sometimes I'm just so awful and rotten. But he takes joy in me and he battles for me, he fights for me. And I just am forever grateful. I have joy because of Jesus inside of me. And I have joy because I know through everything, hard, not hard, good, bad, I just know who I belong to. The question that would come out of that for me is, do you know who you belong to? Not who you simply claim to be God, but do you know who you belong to? Do you know him as a heavenly father, that you belong to him and that you are his child? I want to mention two characteristics of God that I believe are important if you really want to know him as father. If you would, would you say the father is gracious? Say that one more time. The Father is gracious. Our Father is gracious. He's eager to forgive. Sometimes the characteristics that we give to God keep us from understanding His nature and who He is. Make sure you give an appropriate characteristic to God. Our God is gracious. He is eager to forgive. So when we say here at Chapel Point, God can redeem anyone from anything at any time. And if God forgives us, according uh, one another author, C.S. Lewis, says that if God forgives us, that means we must forgive ourselves 
there are too many of us who have not forgiven ourselves from things that we have done in the past. And so we struggle with God the Father because we think he's still yelling about something that he forgave us for many years ago. But God can redeem anyone from anything at any time. And our God, the Father, is gracious and he's eager to forgive. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 15 speak about how sin no longer has a dominion over us. A brief story I will tell you is Luke 15. Hopefully you know that chapter. Luke chapter 15 is the stories of the lost. There's three lost things. Lost coin, lost sheep, and lost son. In the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, hopefully you know the story, but if not, I'm going to give you a quick summary of it. The prodigal son is somebody who offended his father because one, it's almost as though he said, I wish you were dead because he came to him, asked him for his inheritance early. He said, I want, I want my inheritance. I want my share so that I can go and live the, live the life I want to live. And so he disrespected his father. He ends up mocking his father. He left his responsibility as a son that would have been given to him. He wanted his father to die by wanting his inheritance. And he was a fornicator and a drunk and he was lazy. According to Luke chapter 15 verse 13, it tells us that he went out and he squandered his wealth by wild living. You can imagine all that that involved. So he leaves his father, he leaves his home, and he goes away and does everything he wants to do. And then he recognizes in in having nothing that maybe I should go back home. So he goes back home, his his brother's ticked. His brother is angry at him and wants nothing to do with him and doesn't even want him to be received back home, and yet here comes his father jacking up the cloak, if you don't know the story. And when, when he's scared about what the response of his father would be, his father runs out and embraces him. Friends, we don't even like that. We like this for ourselves. Sometimes we don't like grace for others. But let me tell you right now, you need to know this. The moment you turn, no matter what you've done in your past, the moment you turn toward God, God is waiting to receive you. The moment you turn toward God, God is waiting to receive you. You can come to me. You don't know all that I've done. It doesn't matter. If you know God as Father, you know that He's gracious and that He's eager to forgive. You must know that about God the Father. Second characteristic you need to know about God the Father. So God is gracious. Please write that down. Second, God the Father. You know what the Father does? The Father, I'm about to say a word you don't like, but it's a good word. The Father disciplines. These are two characteristics you have to understand because one of the reasons we don't see God as Father is because sometimes we see God as someone who's just telling us what to do and not to do. But you need to know that the Father disciplines, and if God loves us, that means he's obligated to what? Correct his children. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. 
A father corrects the son in whom he delights. I know that receiving correction is hard and none of us want to be told what to do. Why? Let's go back to the beginning of the message. We have substituted the one true God with ourselves. We don't want anyone to tell us what to do. And so we bristle at anyone telling us or holding us accountable. But receiving correction is important because it's a sign that God loves us. Because God's saying, don't you understand? I have the perfect way for you. And I want to be as intimate with you, as close to you as possible. And if you start heading off that direction, I can't be as close to you. Won't you come back to me? Discipline discipline means that he's teaching us and correcting our course so that we might walk with him. The father is gracious, but the father also disciplines. They work together so that we can know the beauty of who God the father is. That's Hebrews 12. And helping us to understand the discipline that he brings into our life. And so knowing God as Father means trusting his word. It means welcoming his discipline, giving him control, finding confidence as his child. Luke chapter 11. Man, I love the word of God. Luke 11, 11 through 13. It says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead, well, instead of a fish, he's going to give him a serpent? Or if there's a son that asks for an egg, you're going to give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Translation of this is God is on your side, friends. God isn't standing opposed to you. God the Father has adored you so much that He gave His Son for you. And some of us are are walking around in our spiritual posture as as though we're in combat with the Heavenly Father, trying to convince Him that what we want is better than what He desires for us. And He's going, no, don't you want to be in an intimate relationship with me? Don't you understand that's why I gave you my Son? Do you know God the Father? And I don't know all the stories in this room in in terms of the type of earthly father that you have had or if you've ever met him or if if you've had a great childhood and you grew up into an adult and you've got your own kids. I don't know, but what I do know is this. Our Heavenly Father does not change. And he is gracious, he is forgiving, he holds us accountable, but it's because of his love for us. Will you step further into a relationship with the Heavenly Father? In fact, if you have anything in front of you, if you would just empty your laps, I'm going to ask that you just open your hands, put them on your lap if you would, and I want to pray for you and pray over you that you would know 
the Heavenly Father. God, I come before you and I ask that for my friends here right now that they would know you as Heavenly Father. Because some of them only know you who to be fearful of, not to be in relationship with. May they hear that you are a God of grace and forgiveness. You're a God of instruction. You, you know what's best for us. And so we don't have to understand all of you to believe in all of you, God. May we absorb that in our hearts right now, recognizing that we cannot fathom your greatness. We cannot fathom who you are, comprehend who you are, but we can submit to who you are. Thank you for being a good father. May we sit with you. May we know you. May we find comfort in you. May we find strength in you. Thank you, thank you, O oh God.